Hi everyone, I'm Liz Kasky. As a travel curator, cook, wine aficionado, and design lover, I've always been fascinated by the stories of how creatives pursue their dreams. What's the energy behind a great chef and restaurant? How is that tasty cheese made? Why does this wine speak to me? What was the inspiration for that hotel? Or simply appreciating the artistry of an old world weaving with contemporary design. I'm constantly searching for local flavors and am passionate about sharing them. Welcome to In Search of Flavor, a podcast that explores the experiences, ideas, and stories behind the fascinating trailblazers in the Americas from north to south and the beautiful projects they've birthed. So pour yourself a glass of wine, dial into your wonderlust, and get ready to be inspired. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another episode of In Search of Flavor. This week, we're going to be talking about planning a trip to Colombia. Since Colombia is one of our most requested destinations, I also have a deep love for the country and have been hosting trips there a couple of times a year. First, I do want to mention that we recently announced our Romance in Colombia trip that I'm hosting from November 15th to 22nd, 2024. This is a small group trip of no more than 12 people, and we start in the mountainous Bogota, the capital, which honestly has become a foodie and art design and fashion mecca. It's a city of contrast between colonial architecture, modern skyscrapers, and the food and cultural scene is truly on fire thanks to passionate chefs, coffee roasters, baristas, designers, artists, and fashion mavens. We are going to dive into the history, the charming neighborhoods, the markets, the kitchens, and ateliers, and go really deep. Then we'll get to Cartagena, which is on the Caribbean coast with its perennial summer weather, colonial architecture, exotic fruit, a lot of cocktails, and epic seafood. We will brush up on cooking some of Cartagena's most traditional dishes, learn to salsa with our maestro and his team of dancers, so you'll look like a pro, hone up on your mojito-making skills, snorkel in the turquoise waters of the beautiful Rosario Islands, 45 minutes off the coast of Cartagena, and we'll end on a high note at one of Latin America's best restaurants, which is a lab for Caribbean indigenous ingredients in the most clever flavor combinations you'll ever try. It's amazing. You can write to us at info at lizkaski.com for a detailed itinerary and more information. And on a personal note, I would be honored to be the one to introduce you to this beautiful country and culture. So I hope you'll join us. Now let's segue into today's episode to shed some light on how to think about planning a trip to Colombia in general. I want to first share my own fascination and love for Colombia and how I came up with the group trip name, Romancing Colombia. Perhaps some of you remember, and I'm going to date myself, the Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner movie in 1984 called Romancing the Stone, which was set in Cartagena, Colombia, although it was filmed in Mexico. The film follows a romance novelist who has to get out of New York City and her comfort zone to go to Colombia to save her sister from criminals who are holding her for ransom. I remember loving this movie as a kid and became really intrigued about Cartagena and the walled city. Then in college, I read all the Garcia Marquez novels in my Latin American literature class. And then also my favorite Latin American history professor at Penn was Colombian. And during several semesters studying with her, she would always talk about the country and her time there. At that time, which was in the late 90s, it was not feasible to go to Colombia because of safety, but I vowed someday when it was safe to go, I would. That was how the seed was planted. The name came from Romancing the Stone, Romancing Colombia, and it's sort of like 
also alludes to this this affair, if you will, of an ongoing fascination and love for the country. So that's just a little backstory. The thing is, once Colombia was open, which there's, you know, a lot of debating when you could say that happened, living in Chile at the time, it was much earlier than if you would look from the U.S. perspective, because Chileans went to Cartagena quite frequently on vacation. So that had really planted also the seed living in Chile and having a different relationship being on the South American continent. And I kept seeing a lot of interesting things happen there in the food scene, following designers, and it just, it kept tugging at me. And I've always in business, you have to be strategic, but I think you have to follow your gut a lot. And that was how we arrived to start in Peru in 2012. And then that was when I decided by 2018, I was very sure that we needed to make a move to Colombia and and expand what we do there because I thought it would add a lot of depth, not only in the food, but the coffee was really coming up and just all of the art. So this is a little back end behind the scenes, if you will, about how we decided to move in there and open that country for all of you that have traveled with us and those that will. Before we get into the nuts and bolts of planning a trip to Colombia, let's address the elephant in the room. Is Colombia safe? Many people still associate Colombia with its troubled past and the FARC area and Pablo Escobar years. While the country has faced challenges, no doubt, after the FARC signed a truce and NARCA has been limited and pushed out in many areas, those days are fortunately over. Colombians are quite open about their past and are also very excited to welcome visitors from all over. And today, Colombia is not an unsafe destination. So I think you have to, when you start looking at this, look at media biases, particularly if you're based in the U.S. There's a lot of media biases. You also have to look at when somebody is saying it's unsafe, who is that person? What is their travel experience? There's a lot of factors, but I feel that the media has done great disservice for the country and that myself and all of our colleagues who love and sell Colombia and all of you that have been to Colombia are Colombia evangelists because we know that's not true. And there's an amazing people and culture and place waiting to be discovered there. So just be mindful of what the agendas are, where you're getting your news from, particularly if it's on social media too, which can have a ton of misinformation. That being said, I'm not saying that there could not be narco anywhere, but where you're going to be in Colombia on a trip with us, or if you go by yourself, you're not going to most likely be near any of this. A lot of this now is in very remote areas of the jungles, places that you have no business ever going, the same way I would personally never go to parts of LA or South Chicago, et cetera. So you've got to take all of this in context. I think that's really important. However, when you are there, because it is a Latin American country, and this goes for any country, I think, in Latin America and even parts of big cities in the U.S., you need to be smart. Stay away and avoid venturing into problem zones, remote areas. But if you're staying in nice areas where foreign visitors are transiting, you should be okay. So stay in a reputable area. In Colombia, I absolutely think unless you're fluent in Spanish and know Latin culture, you absolutely should have guides and private drivers and have that streamlined to take that peace of mind. And know that when you're walking in an area around a hotel, 
that everything, it's so cute and it's fun and it's safe, but you have to be still street smart. You can't, don't flash expensive jewelry, don't walk around with your iPhone in your hand or your back pocket, dress casually, blend in. I mean, these are what I call quote unquote Times Square's rules, but I think that it's worth reiterating here. The other thing that I would recommend is avoid hailing cabs on the street. Use an app like Uber, they're everywhere, or have a car service through your hotel, pick you up and drop you off. And if you're going to go out at night and you're going to drink, which in Cartagena obviously is a big party town for a lot of people at certain times of the year, make sure you're not getting totally wasted when you come home. Keep your cocktail with you at all times. And, and just the same thing that you would apply if you were going to Cabo or I'm trying to think what are the other any party areas too within a tropical destinations. So just be aware of all of that, but you will have an amazing time. So just ignore the news and all the other stuff. Stick to these street smarts and these great areas that we're going to talk about and your mind will be blown in Colombia. So that elephant aside, let's talk about the cities and the regions of Colombia snapshot here. So when people think of Colombia, they often think of this exotic, Caribbean, tropical country that's really warm. And while that is true in some areas, obviously the Caribbean coastline, and then you have the Pacific Coast in Cali that are warmer, there's also a lot of the country that is mountainous, temperate, high altitude, and then you have even deserts and the rainforest, the Amazon in the southeastern corner. So let's start with Bogota which is Colombia's capital. It's a huge metropolis. It's the largest city in Colombia. When I say huge, we're talking to the tune of over 10 million people. If you count the whole metropolitan region, it's much larger. And when you fly into Bogota, what you'll notice is it's really nestled in the folds of the Andes that completely surround it. And so it's such an interesting city of contrast because you have this backbone of the mountains there. And it also happens to be really high altitude, which is something I think people don't consider. We'll get to this in the part when we talk a little more about, about climate, but it's an Andean city. So that's really important. And you have different parts of Bogota, which is really fun because you have the downtown area that's the colonial part that has a lot of different eras in Colombian history from colonial to the Republican era. And then you have modern skyscrapers and so it's a very hodgepodge depending on what part of town you're in. That being said, one thing that's really amazing is Colombians are so sensitive and open to the arts. They love dance and music and visual arts like painting and sculpture. And quite honestly, there's amazing museums too. You have the Gold Museum. And the, what I think though Bogota really has happening right now is this food and design and arts culture that's really concentrated across top chefs and restaurants. And then a lot of designers because the fashion scene, particularly for women, has really unfolded there. And I would say is leading the charge in Latin America in a really distinctive look with designers like Joan Ortiz, probably the largest and most well-known designer. So Bogota is, I think, obligatory on a first trip to Colombia. Then if we move just a little inland here, you're going to look at what they call the coffee triangle. So this is an idyllic region. It's about a half an hour flight from Bogota in the heart of Colombian coffee production country in the province called Quindío. Quindío is part of it. You also have Antioquia, where Medellín is located, which we're going to talk about in a minute. This beautiful area that has lush green hills, these quaint villages that are painted with very vibrant colors 
there's lots of hiking in the Kokoda Park. It's a national reserve that have these very special wax palms. And I would say it's one of those places when you're there, it feels really off the grid. While there is tourism, it's a national domestic tourism or for a little more of a an adventurous traveler that wants to get off the beaten path. And so I think you get a glimpse into what life in rural Colombia looks like. And it's just so stunningly beautiful. It just pulls at your heartstrings as one of those places. There's a lodge you can base at there and visit the coffee plantations and get into the hills and take in all these really interesting cultural experiences, including seeing cacao plantations and how chocolate is made, it's it's really worth it if you have time. So next, in the province north of Quindío and near and north of Pereiro too, you have Medellín, which a lot of people have heard of because of <laughs> Pablo Escobar and then the Narcos Netflix series. However, Medellín also is known as the city of eternal spring because it has one of the most amazing climates. It's pretty much around 70 to 75 degrees Fahrenheit year round. And it's really beautiful. It's a valley in the mountains. So when you fly into Medellin, you're flying high and then you go down into the city. So it's quite hilly. And it's one of the determining attributes of the city, which when you're there, it's a really interesting study in how they've modernized a lot of the public infrastructure with actually periféricos, like cable cars connecting a lot of these poorer areas that had no access to the grid, so to speak, or, or transport. So that combined with a lot of tech that has come in and expats, I, I feel that Medellin is really effervescent right now. It has a lot going on. It's really up and coming and the people are so warm and friendly. And the other thing I would add there that it's also the flower capital of Colombia. Colombia in general after Holland is the second largest exporter of flowers in the world. But what's interesting there is they have the Festival de las Flores, which is a time of year when they have these, they're called silleteras, these, it's like a parade of all these flowers and all the farms outside of Medellin put together these floats and these people that have these ornate backpacks, if you want to call them that, carrying these decorations of flowers. And it's it's a really special time to visit Medellin. So I think Medellin is is really coming up right now. And if you have time, it's a fascinating city to visit. And then finally, Cartagena. Obviously, Cartagena has become a bit of a glamour destination. And I always say it's the, the gateway to South America. And Colombia could be in general. But Cartagena in particular, because it's so close to the U.S., it's only two hours to Miami and three hours to Houston. It's really close to get in and out of the U.S. and it's very tied to the Caribbean, too. It has a lot of Havana vibes in some ways. But this walled colonial city has really brought it with the cooling people there. And I think it, it's just pure magic. And you can look at the walled city and it's an UNESCO World Heritage Site with cobblestone streets and all these colorful houses that are covered in bougainvillea and you hear the salsa and it just has this vibe that is sultry and seductive and it really encompasses all your senses. I know that there are parts you could say could be produced or what I like to call Disney, but I really don't find it that much there. And it's just, it's a wonderful place. I love it. It has such a Caribbean feel to it. And when you're in Cartagena, because it does have an eternal summer, 
quite literally, it's warm all year. You just factor in more or less rain, more or less wind if you're out on the ocean. It's very pleasant to visit. That's sort of the breakdown. We're going to get a little deeper into some specifics here. But when you think about starting in Colombia as a first approach, these are pretty much the four places you can break into components and add or subtract depending on what your focus is. Now, I know those of you that have traveled in Colombia, the Colombians listening to this, don't come for me and say like, Liz, you didn't add in Cali, you didn't add in Tairona. There's a lot of places that I'm not going to cover in this podcast. And I think Colombia is really deep and there's so much regionality because of what we were discussing before about its past that was violent and because Colombians couldn't travel that much in their own country due to security reasons. What's really interesting is that a lot of the local traditions, music, food, culture has been completely preserved. And so it's very unusual in this globalized day and age to have a country that has this remarkable diversity, not only in flora, fauna and natural ingredients, but actually in local culture and accents and everything. So I find that really amazing in the sense that you can make multiple trips to Colombia, you can revisit, you can go deeper. If you go to Bogota once, you can come back and the next time go into the Cundinamarca province. If you love fly fishing, you can come back and go to down to the rivers and lakes, etc. There's so many sides to Colombia. And like I said, it's pretty close to the U.S. compared to, you know, longer haul destinations in the southern cone. As an example, on that note, Let's segue into talking about how to get to Colombia, flights, weather, and a little bit the specifics to think about here. Like we mentioned, Colombia's climate varies drastically depending on where you're going. Bogota has a fairly mild climate. That means it doesn't get really hot and it doesn't get really cold. It can get chilly, though, because it is at 8,000 feet above sea level. So this is like flying into Aspen, Colorado. You are going to have an adaptation period to the altitude and it's dry. I find altitude always produces a dryness for me a little bit. And so you're going to need to drink a lot of water and just, you know, tread lightly with any alcohol the first couple days. And you'll notice that when you walk up steps and even, you know, if you have a long day of walking, you may feel more winded. So that's just something to consider when you fly in. Bogota also has, I find, a lot of a London sort of climate in that because you're in the Andes and you have these weather systems sort of moving across the mountain ranges, and Colombia, just as a side note, has three different mountain ranges, which this is for another podcast where we get into coffee production, but you get a lot of weather systems as the storms move off the Pacific and cross to the Andes being the easternmost mountain range. You can get a lot of chubascos, and most Bogotanos have or keep a little purse-size umbrella in their bags for a reason. All the hotels will have umbrellas. Do not be alarmed. It's very unusual to get prolonged periods of rain in Bogota. And in fact, this past end of this past year, going into dry season, Bogota was even dealing with some challenges with forest fires because it has been so dry, something that they've never really had to deal with. And a sign global warming is even shifting in climates that traditionally have this ongoing rainfall. So then if you, you're looking at the Coffee Triangle in Medellin, which I'll put together because I think they're very similar in climate. It's just gorgeous weather. It can be a little humid. It has a tropical side to it. It's not like a Mediterranean climate at all, but it's just this wonderful low 70s sunshine, gorgeous weather. You can get some rain showers there too, but 
it tends to be in certain times of the year that are the rainy times of the year, which are usually from like June to October. And finally, Cartagena, the same thing. You have pretty much the same temperature year round, which would be low 80s. And there's not even that much fluctuation at night, which ladies, I love because it means you can break out all your strappy dresses and not need shawls. I also find, as a side note, in Cartagena, the AC is always at a reasonable temperature because in the U.S. I find AC is like literally for refrigerator, keeping meat cold or something like that. Cartagena is balmy. It can be hot and humid, particularly when you hit the rainy season can be usually fall from like June or July and it really peaks in September, October if you look at the precipitation charts. So a lot of people, one thing for Cartagena to keep in mind, a lot of people will tout the December to March period. It is the driest, so you don't get a lot of the afternoon thunderstorms or rainfall. However, you do get a lot of wind. And when I talk a lot about a lot of wind, why does this matter? It's great if you're in the city and you want this lovely breeze and it blows all the bugs out and it's lower humidity. However, if you want to get out on the water and go to the Rosario Islands or go sailing, be very aware that you're going to be dealing with bigger seas. And I would say that probably my roughest seas and talking to colleagues is always in January to March. We're talking four or five meter swells in some cases coming back. So you just have to keep that in mind. It's not that anything bad could happen or you're just going to be dealing with large waves. And I, you know, some people are better sailors than others. So I think these are things to consider when you're looking at a trip, what's more important to you. And we can guide you through that process, obviously, too. We have experience in all the seasons. And finally, so let's talk a little bit about the flights here. So, you know, Bogota is the capital and you will see more legacy carriers and more flights in and out of Bogota from other cities in the U.S. too with Avianca, which is the national carrier. We have flown Avianca quite a bit internationally. They have very nice Dreamliners. They run great business class and it can be a very good way to get in and out of Colombia depending on your departure city. That being said, it can also fly in or out of Cartagena directly from Miami. And they also have flights out of New York on JetBlue. And I believe there are a couple other carriers adding flights from Fort Lauderdale, et cetera. So Cartagena has definitely become more international. You can also now fly in directly to Medellin. Copa has a lot of connecting flights through Panama to some of the more regional cities, because to give you an idea, when you look at a map, Panama City is only a 45-minute flight from Cartagena, so it's very close also, similar flying time to Medellin, to Bogota, to Cali. They are servicing a lot of those through their Panama City hub, just something to keep in mind when you're thinking about flights in and out. The other hot tip I will give you when you fly into Bogota, especially if you're on legacy carriers, a lot of them arrive very late at night or leave at ungodly hours coming back. So they kind of land late, turn the plane around and then fly out later. I'm thinking about like Houston flights and one of the Delta flights and American. So just keep that in mind that there are a lot of red eyes going to certain destinations. So you'll want to strategically think about that when you line up the number of days and all that. Since you're probably itching now, like how do I put this together, Liz? Or how like, would we work with you? And like, how would you lay this out? So I think in all travel, you have to look at like, obviously, how much time do you have and what's your budget, which we're not going to talk about budget specifically. But the amount of days on the ground obviously can dictate to and how many people we are, what that looks like. So if you have one week, that is like six days, six nights, sorry, seven days or seven nights, eight days, 
I would highly suggest just picking two places and I would focus as a first approach, like we do in Romance Colombia and Bogota and Cartagena, if you have a week. If you only have a weekend, and we've done this like we're talking four days, I think you can totally do Cartagena in a long weekend or span those days if you're coming from the eastern U.S. particularly. If you're coming from California like I am, it turns into a long haul, and that's another story. But to back up, so you can start with Cartagena would be your shortest if you're coming from the east coast or a closer destination. And there you could do like four days four to five days then if you have a week you could expand that and add in Bogota then if you have nine days then you can break it up into thirds and you could do like start in Bogota go to Medellin and end in Cartagena I usually recommend starting in Bogota and ending in Cartagena and kind of putting Medellin because you're working in one direction within the country flights it's really the way to get Colombians get around. It's extremely mountainous, and I would say very belabored to travel by car through a lot of the country, depending on the year. If you have, they can have landslides. Some of the roads are really dangerous. It, it's just fast and easy to to fly, and most flights are short. So to give you an idea, Bogota to the coffee region or Medellin are about twenty five to thirty five minute flights. Then Bogota to Cartagena is just a little over an hour. The coffee region, if you need to get from, for example, from coffee region to Cartagena, you get put back from Armenia or Pereira. You have to fly back to Bogota and then to Cartagena. But you can fly if you fly nonstop from Medellin to Cartagena. It's about 45, 55 minutes. And so you can see there's short trayectos within the country, but the connectivity is really through either Avianca or Latam as the best, most reputable ways to get around. There are a couple low-cost carriers in, in Colombia. I'm not stepping on those planes. I would say from a service standpoint, I think that Latam is slightly better than Avianca, but Avianca has more flights. And then finally, if you really have the time and I think want to go on a deep dive as a starting point, a deeper dive, I should say. It's not super deep. I would do all four. So then you can structure Bogota to the coffee triangle, to Medellin and Cartagena. And I always like to end in Cartagena. Why? I think that the relaxation and the beach vibe, having some decompression, and it just feels so good after you've been going and doing a lot of more urban pursuits and adventure things I really love ending on that note in Cartagena and yes when you fly out if you do fly out through Miami it feels faster coming home and finally just a few tips to think about when you are planning a trip there Colombians speak the most beautiful Spanish like I said it is highly regional so some areas have strong accents I'm thinking like the Baisa accent which is Medellin and also some people on the Caribbean coast have a very nasal sort of sounding accent which can and they talk very fast but overall Colombians speak beautiful Spanish so it is an amazing place to practice your Spanish and I think it will go a long way if you learn some Spanish for this trip definitely Everybody in a hotel setting will speak Spanish, and they're so hospitable, and it's just a joy, culturally speaking, and people are so willing to help you. You will have more fun, though, if you can communicate a little bit, because there will be a lot of people in some settings that don't speak great English, and that always enhances your trip. The other thing I want to mention is you definitely need to book during peak seasons, so I'm going to mention this. There are times of the year when you have, well, end of year in Cartagena gets insanely busy. That's probably one of the peak periods. Cartagena for New Year's particularly 
Bogota is really dead over the holidays, so you probably want to avoid Bogota at the end of the year because there's not a lot happening and there's even some closures and, and things like that, so you probably want to avoid that. Going back to Cartagena to Semana Santa, which is Easter, gets really, really, really busy. And then there's a few holidays that can be fun or not fun, depending every year they have in early mid-November, Cartagena has their Independence Day celebrations, which is a big festival. It's actually a whole area they set up floats, which I've been and I think it's really fun and festive. So you'll get to see a lot of actually parades and it just has such a, a lively atmosphere. But it also can make hotels tricky. You need to book ahead. There's also a film festival. So always just like you want to think about your dates carefully for those particular destinations. And the same thing as we mentioned before in Medellin during the Flower Festival, that also can be really busy for the city. And Medellin is still sort of up and coming in terms of hotels. So you always have to think when you're looking at boutique hotels, what are my options? And then finally, I just want to mention this in general as our travel ethos and the way we approach things is slow travel. And I really insist that resist the urge to cover everything and cram everything in on one trip. I think that you can cover ground and being clear, going back, lay out a trip, what your objectives are, your intentions, your goals. Colombia is really savored when you slow down a little bit and you give yourself some build in leisure time. I think that's the secret to any itinerary because otherwise you need a vacation from the vacation and you get tired at some point. And I also would say, call it personal experience, because the food scene, particularly in Bogota and Cartagena and the cocktail scene is really fun. Maybe you want to give yourself those evenings that you have that fun long night out or you go salsa dancing, you go out for drinks and that you're not needing to be awake 8 a.m. to do, I don't know what, go on a boat the next morning. So, I mean, we structure thinking through that, but I'm going to mention it too, just whoever needs to hear this is hearing it. I can't talk enough about how much I love Colombia. I want everybody to know it. I think you'll be moved by it. I want to close just mentioning the thing that I always take away from Colombia is the people and their warmth and how happy they are. It's such an interesting thing because you think how they've gone through so much adversity and violence in their past. Yet at the same time, I remember one of our guides in Medellin saying, she said, Liz, when you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, you live in the now. And Colombians, we love to be with our family and party and celebrate. And that's joy for us. And they have a joy that I think sometimes in our fast-paced North American lifestyles, and if you're listening to this in Europe and other places, you know, we're modern lifestyles, we all get sucked into it. But Colombia's really, they live in the present. They find that joy in just expressing themselves and being with others and friends and people they love. And it's infectious. It has a vibe. It has a magic to it that's real. So I hope you can know that because the glow stays with you for a while when you get back. So friends, on that note, I am going to sign off here and I will look forward to seeing you next week with another episode of the In Search of Flavor podcast. Thank you for joining me. Take care. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends, family, colleagues, or whoever could use some deliciousness and wanderlust in their lives right now. Also, we'd love if you leave us a review on iTunes. They are tremendously helpful for other people to find the podcast. For more inspiration and information on how you can come to California Wine Country in South America with us or bring them into your home, visit our website at www.lizkaski.com and follow us on Instagram at LCCWE, where you can also follow my Instagram at LizKaski77. See you next time. Hasta la próxima.